0: hello and welcome to the new city podcast where we exist to renew the city by restoring the health of its people. I am Jarek Bakken. I'm Dr. Alex Arguello. today we are diving into the new city principles of health okay this mm-hmm. is kind of like our uh, our foundational um, framework okay how life is supposed to, look what healthy life looks like and this is kind of the uh, foundation of how we help teach people what a healthy life is um, and kind of giving us something to aim for yeah you say anything else about what it is
1: well i think it's just important to to mention that you know why would you talk about principles of health well it's because we have a philosophy on health and we believe you should have a philosophy on health. Otherwise you're just telling people what to do and that mm-hmm. can work. But when people have an understanding of why they're doing them, then it tends to, to stick with them uh, a little bit better. And that's kind of the whole goal. Like you said in the beginning, we want to renew the city by renewing its people. So if those people are going to be successful in making changes, then having an understanding of the changes, the why behind those changes is important. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is not super specific this is very high level and then you kind of from this we move outwards towards the periphery and towards you know the stuff that you might see on the Facebook articles of like you know what most people interact with all the time the eat this do this workout sleep like this and all of this stuff take take these supplements like we're gonna start from here and then we can move outwards towards some of that stuff and kind of fill in the gaps. yeah And so really like we've 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 made this these statements, we've made these principles public. Um, and so now I guess what we're gonna try to do here is go a little bit more into the periphery with them um, but still just kind of staying at a fairly high level with all of them. Yeah So uh, principle number one these are not necessarily in any order other than this first one okay so kind of the overarching principle um in kind of the just the the general statement that we start with is to obtain health give the body what it needs and stay away from what it doesn't yeah what do i mean by that
1: well that's that's a simple statement Um, again because everybody asks what do I need to do to get healthy or what do I need to do to stay healthy and again we could tell them all these different things that you have to do from all these different categories of exercise and nutrition and all that stuff which we will get into but it's all based off of the body wants to be healthy the body is designed to be healthy And the reason that it goes from a healthy state to an unhealthy state is because of those two things that you mentioned. The body's not getting what it needs to stay healthy or to get healthy, and it's eating too much of, or it's doing too much of, it's around too much of, it's exposed to too much of, stuff that it doesn't need. Um, And that's what, kind of, our body is in this environment that is really antagonistic to health Mm. and It can't survive and thrive. It can't flourish. It can't be healthy um, because it's missing the two things that we know are required for health, giving the body what it needs, staying away from what it doesn't.
0: Yeah, yeah. so a lot of what we understand about health and kind of our philosophy on uh, (laughs) really all of life, it kind of has to do with an understanding that things were better than they are right now. Previously in history, at some point, um, things kind of had, uh, a design and we've kind of moved away from what that good design was. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, because that's not normal, because we've pretty clearly seen that normal life now leads to disease, leads to sickness, leads to all kinds of problems, uh, we, we need to do something intentionally different to actually obtain what health is.
1: Yeah. And I think the other thing that's important to, I guess, get from that statement mm-hmm. is that puts the ball in our court. That that gives us the responsibility mm-hmm. um, for our health. Instead of just assuming that health just happens to you. Yeah. You know, you get sick because you get exposed to some bugs or you get sick because of your genetics. Yeah. Um, that's wasn't a very well i guess it's not a very old understanding because like you just said how things used to be we had somewhat of an understanding uh, of the way that things truly are from a health standpoint but something happened where it switched to health being a responsibility to health just happening to you Mm -hmm. um just kind of random chance and and we know now that they do more and more research on just the human body that that is not true um that it's actually up to to us to a great extent uh, of what happens to us from a health standpoint.
0: Yeah, I read a book called um I th- I believe the book is titled Never Be Sick Again. Mm-hmm. Uh and kind of he had, he had a similar kind of framework for how he thinks about health um and it started with the understanding that all disease begins as cell mutation, right? And so if we have that understanding, then so basically abnormalities in our cells. There's two ways that that happens, either toxicity or deficiency. Mm-hmm. So we've either come in contact with something our body doesn't need, or we're not getting what our body needs. Yeah. And so even in a situation where you know you might be. Genetically predisposed to something, or like you know, whatever, even if you are in a compromised state, like the reality is, you, you can still do something, yeah, right? You can still change those factors, you can still remove the things that are causing the damage. And you know, if we have to supplement by other means to get to a point where we're not deficient in the things that our body is, you know, deficient in we can do that. Yeah. You know, we're not helpless.
1: Yeah. I mean, just to go off of that point, the, the author that you mentioned there from a so i I'm a chiropractor. So I've kind of the first, um, my introduction into health was from a chiropractic philosophy. And one of the things that's comes from a chiropractic philosophy is that the disease or for sure death happens, um, because of an inability for the body to adapt. Mm. So if the body can no longer adapt anymore, that's when terminal disease or um, death happens. So one of the crazy things about having a misunderstanding of what we're saying is how conventional healthcare system works now, is that when the body is actually still adapting, we see that as sickness, and then we Mm -hmm. go and treat that sickness. Instead of figuring out well, why is the body adapting in this way what is it missing or what is it getting exposed to too much of so it doesn't have to adapt in that way it can get back to the healthy state um, we just continue to allow that adaptation to happen and then try to treat the the symptoms of that adaptation so we're we're not only t- not giving the body what it needs and staying away from what it doesn't, but when the body kind of warns us that that's happening, we, try to, we basically sell it to be quiet and just um, take something to address those symptoms.
0: Right, so the, probably one of the most basic and prevalent examples of that is something like a fever, yeah. right? So the, the, the body is responding to something that's going on. It has this mechanism to heal itself, mm-hmm. and we think the fever is the bad thing, and we try to get rid of the fever. Right. When in reality, w- w- you know, yeah, you, you kind of beat around it a little bit, the understanding that the body is self-regulating towards health. Yep. Right? The body wants to be healthy and the, the, the body's going to work towards health. And in a lot of ways, kind of need to get out of the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, cool. So uh, now that principle is kind of overriding all the rest of this stuff. And we've got one, two, three, four, five other categories, okay? The first category could make a strong argument that this is the most important one. Um, first category is food. Uh, so first principle in the category of food is the human body needs to eat real food most of the time in order to survive and thrive. Let's unpack that.
1: Yep. Um, So when you think about it from the philosophy of give the the human body what it needs so that it can be healthy, we know that food is required for the human body um, to even survive. Um, You can't go very long without taking in food um, and and last very long um, because of specific nutrients that are in food um, that are broken down into what are called macronutrients and micronutrients. Um, macronutrients tend to give us energy and allow our bodies to rebuild and repair. And then the micronutrients tend to, um, help with all of the different, um, pathways and processes of our body to make energy or rebuild and repair. So if we're not taking in food, we're missing those nutrients and our body's not going to be able to function or adapt and bad things are going to happen. Sickness is going to, going to happen.
0: Right. So essentially it, I mean... Your your body is, in some senses, a machine. And the machine needs fuel, and the fuel source we have is food. I mean, this, this starts from conception. The fuel source for this tiny little human life is coming from mom's got to eat. And, you know, through the internal magic that happens mom eats and somewhere along the line nourishes the child to maybe comes out and like for that thing to grow it needs to you know again amazing way the body's set up eat again still sustained by mom and you know progressively getting into the real food that we're talking about here yeah if the fuel source is cut off you know and there's some nuance here as far as there's different ways that the body is able to kind of store those nutrients and whatnot. But like when the fuel source is cut off, you are now kind of on a a, a timeline where you only have so much life left without refueling. Right. Right.
1: Right. And so that, I mean, that's the kind of the, the basics of that statement, but then the real food part is real food. What we mean by that is food that has been kind of unaltered Um, or processed um, mechanically or chemically had things added to it um, because that in its most natural state when you're picking a a piece of food off of a tree or you're picking it out of the ground or you're hunting for a food and you're eating that particular animal that was um, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years that's been happening Mm -hmm. so our bodies are um, used to eating that type of food so not only does that food have the macronutrients and the micronutrients there's a synergy between that type of food and our bodies that work well together to give the body what it it actually needs when a food is processed again mechanically chemically have things added to it um, it might still have macronutrients it might still have micronutrients but then we potentially could be missing some of that synergy our bodies don't necessarily know how to respond to that particular food coming into it, but also when you talk about chemically um, altering that food, now we're potentially bringing in the, the concept of giving the body what it doesn't need. So there's there's chemicals, there's additives, there's preservatives, all these things that were n- not necessarily um, ingested by the human body for those thousands and thousands of years when people were much healthier than us. Now we're, we're uh, going to cause problems because the body's not used to those sort of things.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I mentioned earlier that these are not necessarily in any specific order but for this category of food this is kind of in a bit of a hierarchical order so it's not to say that so we have some points on here talking about um some macronutrients and micronutrients and how those things are definitely important but it's definitely not the place where we need to start because if we are only looking at, okay, what happens when we eat these carbohydrates, these fats, and these proteins, and we are not looking at, okay, where are these things coming from, coming from real foods, like we, we can come to completely different outcomes and completely different philosophies on health and nutrition if we don't start with the understanding that there are plants and there are animals that naturally happen in you know the ecosystem and those are the things that our bodies are designed to digest.
1: Yep. And we say most of the time because um you know there's we have two categories of surviving and thriving. Obviously you can c- eat a completely processed food diet and still survive. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's there's evidence to show that. Um but when it talks about surviving for as long as I think people should want to survive as well as thriving during that surviving. Um, eating food, real food most of the time is, is what we believe is necessary. Yeah.
0: Point number two in the food. The human body needs to have times of feasting on and fasting from food in order to survive and thrive.
1: Yeah, I mean this one uh, to me seems to be common sense mm-hmm. um, that if you just sat every second of the day and just continue to feed yourself food, um, you would not be a very healthy person. Um, so you need times of fasting from taking in nutrients into your body um, for a number of different reasons, but just the, the basics. You only require certain level of nutrients to go through all of those pathways that I talked about and to rebuild and repair your body and to have energy. So if you are taking in more than your body actually needs, then you are going to store those particular nutrients and you're going to have additional proteins that your body doesn't need. Um, and you're going to have additional minerals and vitamins and, and all of those type of things. So then you're, that requires your body to adapt to that, which is then re- going to require more energy and it's, you're just kind of overworking your body in, in that sort of sense. Um, but then if we get to kind of look at it from a system standpoint you are potentially throwing off your hormonal system, you're throwing off your digestive system, you're throwing off your immune system if you're not taking the times of feasting on food, of course, goes back to the first principle, but also fasting from that food so your body can figure out what to do with the food that you just put into it.
0: Yeah, so kind of going back to my machine analogy, if we look at you know, any type of machine with a fuel source, so let's take your car, for example, we understand that it would be really inefficient to like put a gallon of gas in your car d- drive down the road until you run out of that gallon of gas and f- fill it back up and just like constantly on this cycle of i have to fuel and use simultaneously right a car has a a tank so you essentially feast on the fuel and then use the fuel for, I mean, essentially it's job. Mm. That's how our, our body's designed to work as well. We kind of take in the fuel and then the most efficient thing to do is to let our body use the fuel. And if we, like you're saying, don't get to the point where that fuel is used and we fill back up again, some bad things are going to start happening. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have a cap on the capacity of our fuel tank like a vehicle.
1: Right. <laughs> and, and again, back to just the, the body being designed intelligently and, and kind of um, understanding what it takes to be healthy. We have built in mechanisms in our body to let us know when we should stop eating. Mm. Um, now, we've figured out ways by all processing the food and altering the food right. to kind of override those natural mechanisms so that we don't feel satiated, um, that certain hormones that get produced to tell us to stop eating, stop happening, or at least the receptor sites that receive those hormones get burned off or they the body naturally pulls them back in so that you can't um, respond well to those. Um, so this is somewhat of a, a response, too, to how what we've been doing for a very, very long time and... Mm-hmm. and um, in our culture is eating way too much so (laughs) we have to kind of I guess let people know that uh, eating too much is a problem when really it should just be common sense that you shouldn't be eating
0: right right yeah a lot of this is response to what what modern life looks like and you know whatever the stats are I think it's the the average American eats like 10 times a day 8 to 10 times a day 8 to 10 times a day and like we're not set up to do that and, and our body is uh, intelligent enough and resilient enough to be able to, again, survive and still maintain life. But that is pretty clear that that life is definitely not a life that is, is, is thriving or a life that's going to last very long.
1: Right. And uh, it's also not a life that's going to be able to procreate in a healthy way. Mm. The the sicker we become because of not giving the body what it needs and st- not staying away from what it doesn't, yes, has an a individual um, impact on, on that particular person. But if that person then passes on what they've done to their body to the next generation and that continues to go in the wrong direction, then... We're going to start seeing the, and we might not see it in our lifetime, but this whole thing that we can survive on processed food or we can survive without exercise, we can survive with sleeping poorly, that's eventually that's going to come to an end Mm -hmm. Um, just because our our genetic makeup is going to be so poor um, because of what's happened in previous generations.
0: Yeah. I mean, just like talking primally, like that's procreating is (laughs) arguably one of the most primal things that we are, you know, designed to do Mm -hmm. and yeah like that's definitely should be a part of the conversation Uh, food point number three principle number three the human body needs to eat mostly a higher fat moderate protein and lower carbohydrate diet in order to survive and thrive this is a little more
1: detail yeah um and how do you talk about that one in a short amount of time? <laughs> so um, I think
0: I think the place to start with this is the reason we have to say this is in response to what is the norm, okay? The normal standard American diet is a diet that is extremely high in carbohydrates and um, typically... High also, in what we would classify as a a bad f- source of fat um and when we combine those two things together, it puts the body in a really poor state, yeah right,
1: yeah, uh, from a what's called a metabolic perspective, so your metabolism and how it works um basically when we what we talk about requiring energy for the human body to function well. Well, you can either take in carbohydrates for that energy or you can take in um, fats for to use for, for that energy. And when you take in carbohydrates as your primary source of energy, then your body gets, um, I guess it kind of adapts to that and you become very good at burning sugar or carbohydrates for, for energy. So if you, what that'll do is you will crave now carbohydrates because your body can no longer switch over to burning fat for energy. Um, the problem with that, is from a, a metabolic perspective is you're not only eating carbohydrates, you're also eating fat along with, like you mentioned most of the time, bad fats. So if you're taking in fat onto your body, but your body's used to burning carbohydrates for energy and can, cannot burn fat efficiently, Well, if you're not burning the fat that you're taking in, then you're storing the fat that you're taking in. And as you store more and more fat, of course we know that as being overweight or obese, but that also messes up your metabolism, that messes up your hormonal function, blood sugar function, all of those different things that lead to the chronic diseases that we know of like heart disease and diabetes and even Alzheimer's, dementia, those type of things are all related back to metabolic function. Mm -hmm. So if we are not sticking to... Um, what we're saying here as far as a more of a higher fat, lower carbohydrate diet, so that we can be proficient at burning fat off of our body and using carbohydrates only when we need them, then we are setting ourselves up to be, have one of those metabolic issues and, and chronic disease later on in life.
0: Yeah, so just to just to like not leave the elephant in the room untouched, we are not, what we're not saying is the popular ketogenic diet is the diet that you need to eat, okay? What we're saying is, so the the premise of that diet is that, okay, we've realized that fat's a really good fuel source. Great. Your body has always known that. <laughs> um, what we're saying is most of us have no access to that fuel source, okay? If we are... If, if carbohydrates are always present in an abundance, you, your body has kind of lost the ability to do what it can do. And so what we're seeing is there is a way of eating that's not only fat all the time, but there's a way of eating that kind of trains that you know, flexibility in your metabolism to be able to do both of the things that your body's designed to do
1: yeah and that breakdown there is coming from a caloric perspective meaning that we're not saying carbohydrates are bad and we're not saying that things that are made up of carbohydrates you should be eating very little of those things because right. Right. that would mean we would tell you to be eat, not eating a lot of vegetables but when you look at the the amount of calories that are in a vegetable versus the the amount of carbohydrates um, it's going to be very low right? right so we want you to eat lots of carbohydrate foods. We just don't want the majority of your calories to be foods that are very high in in carbohydrates and and low in fat because that's uh, killed a lot of people in the last 100 years. Yeah, so,
0: and this will kind of get expounded upon a little bit in the next principle here, but um, I enjoyed listening to, I'm not going to remember the guy's name, but he's, uh, I believe he's an MD, he's a vegan guy, okay? So he's eating all plants, and he's making the argument that a well-structured plant-based vegan diet is naturally low in carbohydrates, yeah. right? Because while it doesn't have a lot of the, you know, animal fat and animal protein that in the next point here we're going to talk about a little bit, it's still, you know, if you're eating a well-balanced plant diet, it's not extremely rich in these super dense forms of carbohydrates, yeah, right, yeah, so leading us into the next point, maybe slightly controversial, probably the most controversial thing we've said yet. uh the human body, maybe not, maybe only a few people. The human body needs to eat food that is both plant and animal based to get macronutrients and micronutrients in order to survive and thrive.
1: Very important that we hear all of those words. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, and I think this is kind of coming from, so I feel like with all of these, we're kind of answering some questions that are out there in the nutrition world or in the health world, and everybody's trying to find what the perfect diet is, right? Everybody's trying yeah. to find what is the the natural human diet. Some people think it's all plant-based. Some people think now that it's all meat-based, Um, Some people, of course, believe that we're omnivores, that can just eat um, anything. Um, We would kind of lean on more that side of things um, because we believe that there are, again, back to the macronutrient, micronutrient, that are important. That's why we need to eat food. We believe you can get those from animal sources and be fine. We believe you can get those from plant sources and be fine. Um, We don't think that you... Can thrive on a plant-based diet, um, at least our perspective on what thriving is, um, and we don't believe it's necessary to thrive on a solely meat diet, right? So part of this also comes into not just um, health from a uh, nutritional perspective, I guess, it's more of there's a lot more that goes into what we're eating than just are we taking in nutrients, right? We believe that we should enjoy our food. Mm -hmm. Um, We believe that if somebody's going to actually be successful with the nutritional program, that they have to have variety. We believe that um, they have to, that we can't limit so many things um, in a long-term perspective and expect that person to have success. So there's a number of different angles that are coming at um, this particular principle, um, but it's pretty simple when you think about it. I mean it's it's not on either extreme. It's somewhere in the middle that we believe you can get the nutrients that you need from both of those types of sources.
0: Yeah, so I think on the on the 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 plant side, it's I think the argument is maybe a little bit more on the nutritional realm. Like I think we are missing some things in that diet. But when we look on, so the other extreme, this kind of carnivore diet, um, yeah, the biggest thing we're, I think one of the bigger things we're missing there is what you're saying, like, there's an experience with food that, like, I would say you're missing out on an aspect of life when all you're eating is meat. So a couple weeks ago, I did this, took seven days, ate only meat, and I felt great. But my biggest gripe was, That's super boring. Yeah. (laughs) Super boring. Um, And like there's, there's like, I I didn't know I was going to feel this way, but at the end of it, my appreciation for plants was greater than it's ever been. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, because that like, there's so much diversity and there's so much to be enjoyed about food that we have access to. And like, it's like, I'm not, saying I missed like candy or you know like processed snack cakes and anything like that. It's like there's something really enjoyable about other flavors and textures and like things that you don't get when you're eating a limited diet. Right. Cool. Last point on here. promise this is going to be your favorite one (laughs) the human diet needs to enjoy food regardless of nutritional value on occasion in order to survive and thrive this is important
1: yeah I mean we just kind of hit on it a little bit Um, this is just basically saying that we believe uh, a healthy nutrition program I guess or a healthy way of looking at nutrition isn't all about are you getting all the nutrients, right? Um, so back to getting the, giving the body what it needs, staying away from what it doesn't. Well, we're not just talking about nutrients when we're saying give the body what it needs. So we're willing to potentially give the body something of what it doesn't need because we, we believe that it needs to enjoy life um, in, in order to survive and, and thrive. So that's where this one would, would come in, Um there's things that have been created um, by people where they've taken foods and put them together and they've made something special, right? Something that our bodies really enjoy. Um, so in order for us to survive and thrive, um, specifically thrive, we believe that we, you don't necessarily have to, but we believe if you want to thrive, regardless of nutritional value, you you can enjoy those things. So, you know. yeah.
0: Like, to put it bluntly, if you've never experienced a really well made donut, you're missing out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that, that's kind of a way to summarize that. Yeah. Um, but so I think there's, there's a couple bigger ways that this plays out. Um, the one, one of them is uh, kind of soci- social. Eating, I would say, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's an, there's an aspect to food that is bigger than just nutrition. It's bigger than just what, you know, what the food is that we are putting into our bodies. Food is, you know, culturally, and I think this is across the board. Every culture has a practice of gathering people around food. And so, you know, when, you know, in our current context, when that means going out to a restaurant or a bar or whatever it is, there's good things that we're going to get into here about those practices that are really, really good for our health. And those things are, I think, so good that that's where we would say, you know, regardless of the nutritional value of something you might be taking in there. Partake in this thing because it's a good thing. Yeah. Um. And then, kind of on the other extreme. Possibly still related with some of those types of engagements, if you're so tied to, you know, a strict regimented diet, um, there's going to be some stress yeah. involved with trying to stick to that at all times, at all cost. Um, that's actually gonna start to do some negative things to you physiologically, because you have this elevated level of stress associated with needing to stick to a, a strict diet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in all these things, all these different categories, I guess, work together, so we're willing to um, somewhat sacrifice mm-hmm. on certain areas of these categories so that the other ones can, can thrive. Um, and we believe that if you you want to be healthy, you have to have the right balance uh, of all these different categories.
0: Yeah, cool. That wraps up uh, section number one on food. Section number two, category number two, I don't know what to call this, uh, movement. Okay? Principle number one in movement. The human body needs to move in order to survive and thrive.
1: Yes, it does this is uh we could get all the way down to the to the cellular level um even down to what are called organelles inside of your cells down to the dna that's inside of those organelles um our genetics our dna requires movement in order to express itself mm. in a healthy way um but then we could also you know take that to systems we would probably understand that our respiratory system requires movement in order for that to function properly. People who have uh, very poor respiration or poor respiratory health are ones that are sedentary all the time. Um, Those are the ones that when they are, when it's required for them to move, like walking up some stairs, if their body's not used to doing that, then that's going to be a stress to their body that their body cannot adapt to. And that that potentially could lead to serious health issues. We know from a cardiovascular system, um, people have bad hearts that don't move. Um, I mean, and, and I don't know if we'll get into this or not. <coughs> people that move too much also have, um, negative effects to, to their cardiovascular system. Um, because it the stress thing. There's a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, important of not going too extreme or not doing enough. Um, our joints, if we do not move, they, uh, it doesn't go well for us. Um, you can just look at people who are sitting all the time and, mm-hmm. and all of the, what that does to their posture, what that does to the specific joints of their body, and um, what that does to muscles and tendons and ligaments and tissues and just everything in our body um, goes bad if we don't have proper movement.
0: Yeah. So when we look at some of the things that have gone wrong, we look at this major issue of what we call um, metabolic syndrome and all the diseases that flow from that state, there's two causes sedentarism, lack of movement, and the diet that we already talked about, excess carbohydrate consumption. So to get away from what is ailing us, we gotta s i mean addressing the you know, the sedentary lifestyle, we gotta start moving. Point number two. Principle number two. I hate that I just keep saying point. <laughs> principle. Uh, second principle of movement. The human body needs access to full physical potential in order to survive and thrive. And there's a, a, it needs access to its full physical potential. I didn't say there. So uh, this one seems a little cryptic, okay? The human body is designed to do certain things. We're designed to be able to put our arm above our head. We're designed to be able to squat down and bring our butt towards the floor. We're designed to be able to hinge at the hip and pick something up off the ground. We're designed to be able to move quickly and sprint, run, and jump, and do all of these things, okay? But if we don't have access to those positions, we can't perform those tasks, right? So life requires certain tasks to be done. And if we don't have access to what the body is designed to do, we're not going to thrive in those tasks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from a, a, again, back to a a chiropractic perspective, just thinking about the posture of your spine, they know that if you have, um, just keep it simple, bad posture, basically if your head sticks out too much Uh, too far out in front of your shoulders that that not only can can lead to degeneration and and lack of range of motion which can lead to pain for a lot of people that also shuts down the frontal lobe from developing properly Mm -hmm. so your body has to actually be able to go through all proper ranges of motion um if, you, if your brain wants to, to develop uh, in, in a proper way. Of course, that's more important when you're, when you're younger as the brain is completely developing, but our brains are always able to change. So if we're just not able to put our bodies through its normal range of motion, reach its full physical potential, um, that's causing negative things happening throughout our entire body.
0: Yeah, so if we look at, I mean, since we're talking about the, the spine, for example, when we live in a position that is sitting in a chair, and working on a computer, and we start to kind of sink our way down into this position, our upper back starts to round forward, and we kind of become natural in this state. Then, when we try to do something different than that, and extend your upper back, and put something over your head, or load your body in certain ways, if we haven't ever done that, and haven't ever practiced getting into those shapes that your your body is most organized and most set up to do we kind of lose access to that range of motion Mm -hmm. right
1: yep and they know that your body's when you have bad posture like that they know that your physiological state is in a state of what's called sympathetic dominance meaning that your body is under stress all the time.
0: It doesn't want to it doesn't want to be there.
1: It always has to respond. It's just like if somebody was coming at you with a knife, your body would be in a sympathetic state because it would have to change your heart rate, have to change your blood pressure, it have to change, it have to sh- down regulate certain things from happening and, and upregulate other things to happen. Mm-hmm. When you're just in bad posture, that is always happening. So it's like somebody's always coming at you with a knife with bad yeah. posture because you're not able to get through the proper range of motion reacher. Full physical potential there.
0: Great referment chiropractic. (laughs) Uh, Point number three. I did it again. Uh, Whatever. Grace. The human body needs to be physically challenged in order to survive and thrive. Okay? So, in order to maintain our capacity to do these certain tasks, to run, to jump, to press, to pull, to squat we have to challenge these positions. We have to do these things and truly kind of overload these things, push ourselves enable in order for our body to then adapt to that stimulus and uh, get stronger.
1: Yeah. I mean, we know this. I mean, when a child's just learning how to walk, you you understand that they are just figuring it out and they can only walk a certain distance, but as they continue to do that, they challenge themselves. Then now that they get to the point where they're a functioning person that can walk wherever they need to walk. And that continues to happen throughout life, right? There's plenty of people that cannot walk a mile without being completely um, done, right? Their, Their respiration, their cardiovascular system, and their muscle fatigue would not allow them to continue doing that. So you take that from walking a mile to now jogging a mile to now sprinting for a long distance of time. All these things require you to challenge your body in order to grow and to mature and to, and to get better so that you're able to respond to the everyday things of life that, that, that come at you. This is also, if we go kind of future, um, if you are in your elderly years, one of the biggest things that happens with people in their elderly years, one of the leading causes of death in the elderly years is accidents. And those accidents are because their people fall. They fall and break hips. And that, leads, that, that always um, leads to a death that quickly happens after that. So the reason that that happens is because their joints haven't been challenged enough or their muscles have atrophied because they're not challenging their muscles enough to be able to build up the muscle tissue and to be able to have strong joints, be able to have strong ligaments, all of those type of things. That is where we're all ending up at some point in life, but we want to try to make that, extend that out as, as much as possible by physically challenging ourselves as much as we can.
0: Yeah. And it, it's so when we challenge our body physically, w- what we're doing is we are introducing stress in various forms. And then since our body's super smart, it sees, it you know, receives that stress and it says, I have to adapt and accommodate and do the things necessary to be able to do that task, right? Mm-hmm. And so that is what building strength and building capacity all breaks down to. So kind of the philosophy is the more capacity that we can build, the longer we are going to be able to maintain that capacity. Are you going to be able to, you know, deadlift 500 pounds for the rest of your life? No, probably not. But if we can build to the point where we're able to do that now, and then starting at that point when kind of the decrease begins to happen in life, it's going to take you much, much longer to get to the point where you can't bend over to tie your shoes or pick up your groceries off of the ground you, you're you're gonna not get to that point nearly as fast as a person who never had that type of capacity
1: yeah i mean i see it all the time in my office i mean the, the struggle that it takes for people to even get up out of the chair mm-hmm. or off of my table um it's because they haven't challenged their muscles right. Right enough to to be able to do something as as simple as that and i know that nobody wants to get there, or at least they want to extend that out as as much as possible. It's a crazy principle, actually. I mean, if you think about it. um, The body is so smart that when it's exposed to a stress, it it sees, okay, this has a potential to kill me. And I want to survive. And not only do I want to survive, I actually want to maintain what's called homeostasis or the thriving kind of state of the human body. So when you put me under stress, I'm far away from that. So I'm trying to adapt to get back to that. So then when that stress is removed, the body says, what do I need to do to be able, when I'm exposed to that stress again, I'm not going to get as close to death as I was at that particular time. So if we continue to do that now, obviously we can go, we can overdo that, right? We can, we can say, well, I'm just going to overstress my body. Well, now you've kind of went beyond the body's ability to adapt and that's a problem. But when you kind of introduce these small stressors all the time, the body's always like, okay, how can I get better? How can I get better? How can I better be able to respond to this particular stress when it comes at me again? Mm -hmm. That's the that's how the body was designed to survive and thrive long term.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff. Category number three. Rest. Okay? The human body needs times of rest in order to survive and thrive. So we kind of hinted at it a little bit with the movement section, but similar to what we said in the food section. We can't eat all the time. We can't move all the time. We don't actually adapt while we are moving. We might be able to kind of learn skill and develop in that regard, but when we're talking about introducing that stimulus and that stress, our body actually responds to that and does the work of adapting, not when we're doing it,
1: but after. Yeah. Right? Yep. And then just even from an energy standpoint, I mean we are taking in nutrients that allow our bodies to have energy. If we're always using those energies, eventually we're gonna run out of I mean back to your analogy of the um you know, the fuel in the tank, we're gonna run out of fuel. Mm-hmm. So if we continue to try to progress beyond that point, the body's not going to thrive at all, but it's getting close to where it's not going to survive if you're not resting.
0: Yeah. So, a specific form of that rest, principle number two here in the rest category, the human body needs to sleep in order to survive and thrive. So, very specific form of resting, and where a lot of the benefit of rest comes from actually coming from our times of sleeping
1: yep and that's well I guess we don't really know exactly why that's the case but there's never been anybody that's proven it wrong that we you absolutely require long times of rest but not just rest in a way where we're not moving we actually require um, rest in the form of getting into a, a state of sleep and there's different states of the sleep that we get into, and when we get into these different states, different things happen in our body. Um, So when we get into one state of sleep called REM sleep, then that's really working on our mind. It's allowing our mind to kind of uh, figure out everything that happened throughout the day, and then that's when a lot of that adapting to the stressors happens and figures out, okay, how can I now respond to that in a better way? And then Um, When we get into even deeper sleep than that, um, which is just called deep sleep, that's when physically we kind of rebuild and restore, repair any sort of damage that happened um, to us in the body. So you could kind of obey, I guess, the the first principle there and have times of rest where you're not moving. Mm -hmm. But if you're not sleeping well, then you're never actually going to be able to rebuild and repair and function the way that the human body was supposed to function in order to survive and thrive. So not only do you need rest, you actually need this specific type of rest in order to for the body to do what it needs to do to respond to everything that you've put it through throughout the day.
0: Yeah, so if we even think about um the uh, the things required to sustain life, okay? So like even into the details of oxygen and light and you know, food and movement and all this stuff. Sleep is like maybe second to oxygen. Like, okay, if you don't have oxygen, you've got a matter of seconds until you're gonna die. Yeah. But I mean, pretty close to that, above above, above how long you can make it when you remove food and water, like if you remove sleep, you're gonna cash out pretty quickly. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it, it it's crazy to think about but it's it's wildly important. Yep. Last principle in the category of rest. The human body needs to have times of work and times of recreation in order to survive and thrive. So, this is saying multiple things here, okay? This is saying that so kind of like we need to be physically challenged um you know in, in 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 a lot of history that would have simply meant work you know that would have meant the the tasks that need to be done for life to continue those are going to be physically challenging things now our culture we have you know things that are are kind of more like a a mental job you're not doing work much with your hands and with your body but we need, you know, for life to continue as it is set up right now, we need to do things that are, you know, taxing to us mentally and times of working and, you know, pushing ourselves not only physically, mentally we can't do that all the time though we need that to be paired with times where we are letting loose relaxing and recreating
1: yeah I mean, this one, <clears throat> I guess, br- yeah, brings in what I talked about earlier. It brings in all these different categories into one. Mm-hmm. You know, where you can consider times of work of fueling your body nutritionally, and mm-hmm. then you need times of rest and recreation of not not fueling your body. You need times of movement where you're physically being active, but then you need times of rest where you are not being you're not challenging your body in a physical way. Mm-hmm. Same thing mentally, same thing emotionally. You need this relationally. You should be investing in relationships, but we all only have so much relational capital, so you need times of being away from those relationships so your body can, again, kind of recharge so that you can then go back out and and do the things that you've been called to do there.
0: Yeah. It's a good transition into our fourth category here, which we are calling the mind, okay? First principle here is the human body needs healthy relationships in order to survive and thrive, okay? You can't do it alone. <laughs> that, that should be the uh, mantra of this one. Life is not intended to be lived in isolation, and quite frankly, it can't be lived in isolation. Right. We have to engage with other people and so we know we have to do that to survive, and so that's why we threw in the word healthy here. We need to do that in a healthy way in order to thrive.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I feel like for all the other ones, we could have brought in biblical references, but this one, I don't think you could get away from it. I mean, in the beginning, we believe God created man, and it was the first thing of his creation that he said was not good because man was alone and he said it's not good for him to be alone I'm gonna create one that's fit fit for him um, to help him so he created woman and that is kind of a, uh, a relationship th- to describe other relationships it's, it's like you said we just can't live this life on our own um, so that's from that perspective Um, but even if you look at research and they look at centenarians, people who have lived the healthiest life, um, it wasn't nutrition. It wasn't exercise. It wasn't even their sleep. It wasn't, were they avoiding toxins, which we're going to get into in a second. That kind of was the biggest determiner of of their health. It was, were they, did they have relationships or not? Mm -hmm. The loneliest people in the world died. This, this, the quickest. Um, if you, one of the biggest forms of torture is not whipping people it's not you know pulling back their fingernails all the stuff that i think we would all be like no i wouldn't want to do that it's putting them in isolation that's one of the punishments in prison the biggest punishment is putting people in the hole right putting them in isolation because it destroys the human body when we are not around other people and have relationships yeah In, in getting back to
0: like the the aspect of procreating like civilization Itself will <laughs> cease if we yeah. do not have healthy relationships. Y- you, you, you alone cannot procreate and make another human. Yeah. I- that requires you to not live in isolation. <laughs> yeah. uh, number two, principle number two in the category of the mind the human body needs to express healthy emotions in order to survive and thrive. Boy, this is this, this might be the, the gnarliest point on here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, again, we believe that we are emotional beings, that we're not just made up of physical matter. And then just, um, I guess the only thing that would be immaterial of us is, is our mind and just how we think. We believe that they we're also, um, we are meant to express emotions And if we're not and we're kind of suppressing those emotions, um, or if we're only expressing what we would consider unhealthy Mm -hmm. or negative emotions, Mm -hmm. um, that destroys our brain, that destroys our physical body. It puts us into that sympathetic dominant state, that um, kind of stressed state, and we're getting closer and closer for the body to not be able to adapt in that way. So healthy emotions Knowing what they are and being able to express them is is absolutely necessary.
0: yeah, I mean th- and this is like again, this is one of those things where if we're not looking at the whole human, like we could miss some really big things here if we if we don't look at this, right? like you could be potentially you could be e- on paper eating whatever you might call the perfect diet, okay. But if you are super stressed and angry and you know going down the list of what we would call unhealthy um, emotions and always in that state, you're you're not going to express homeostasis. you're not going to express this thriving life because you're not looking at the whole picture. Yeah. Like it, 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 things things that are happening. Mentally can have physical, uh, you know, symptoms and side effects.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, in the functional medicine world, knows this very well. I mean, this is something I've been doing for the past few years. Um, one of the biggest things that we look at if a person is expressing a lot of symptoms and, and has some sort of disease is yes, we look at nutrition, we look at their um, toxicity levels, but we also ask, was there some sort of emotional trauma that's happened in their life? And a lot of times it's when they get back to that, whether it was a parent that died or they had a divorce or it was a child whose parents had a divorce, that's when all the symptoms started, mm-hmm. right? So if we just worked on the nutrition and got them exercising and all that stuff, of course their health would improve. But if it was never emotionally dealt with what, what that trauma was, then that person is never going to actually get back to mm-hmm. homeostasis and health.
0: Yeah, and in, in, in it's multifaceted. So it's not we're not just saying that, you know, this is causing your body damage, but it's we're looking at the entire environment that you're living in, you know, because you might be stressed out all the time or whatever emotion it is, you know, that's going to influence what you do about your relationships and about your movement and about your food. And, you know, these these things all play together. Mm -hmm. Last one. This category, only one point here, the category of toxins. The principle is the human body needs to minimize toxins in order to survive and thrive. The so general idea here is there are things that harm us, and there are things that uh, do not work towards health. They mo- they move us away from health. And I think this this can be applied to any of the categories and it's a matter of you know it's not just about doing the right things it's also about avoiding the wrong things
1: yeah i mean again this is something that's probably um, common sense i mean everybody's heard of poison before if you ingest what we would consider poison that can kill somebody pretty Mm -hmm. instantly Mm -hmm. Um, we know that medications have a certain toxicity level that you can't overdose on a medication or that's going to kill you instantly but I think for whatever reason, that's what people believe about toxins. They believe that it either kills you or it doesn't. But yeah. we know that toxicity can build up. If you think of like all of your cells as kind of a bucket, well, there's toxins that are, that are coming in and hopefully there's toxins that are going out. Well, when those buckets get too full of toxins, that's when a lot of the disease starts to happen because again, now, again, you've got to the point where the body can no longer adapt. So there's no possible way that you could eliminate toxicity in the current environment that we live in, but paying attention to it and trying to minimize it as much as possible, but also doing the other things that we've already talked about so that your body's very good at getting rid of toxicity. Those are the two things that come into, um, keeping your body in the the least toxic state as possible. And you will not survive and thrive if you're toxic. It's absolutely impossible to, uh, to do that. So we're trying to minimize that as much as we can.
0: Yeah. So, uh, this is a real kind of quick, I suppose it wasn't super quick, we're like over an hour right now, uh, overview of what we see as kind of like this, this is what healthy life looks like. And now from these principles, we can move outward, okay? So f- from these things, now we can decide what should I eat for dinner, you know? What kind of uh, laundry detergent should I buy uh, you know how should I structure my day to incorporate these things how do I structure the life of my family how should I set up my home like this is this is stuff that can reach into all aspects of life now st- starting with these principles and then we can get into like I said the periphery and the 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 real nitty gritty details of everyday life.
1: Yeah, I mean a little bit different than you know you see somebody drinking bone broth and they're like, why are you drinking bone broth? Well, because I seen it on the internet. Right. 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 No, we have an understanding of why something like that might be good for your body. Um, the other thing that I'll say is just if you're watching this, um, it's a, a little bit different than. You know, just teaching people to come in and exercise in certain ways so they can be healthy, right? Right. We believe there's a lot more that goes into it than just doing CrossFit. Yep. Um, and that's what we're, we're here to teach people.
0: Yeah. So this show is brought to you by New City CrossFit. Um, and we, we started a CrossFit gym because we see this gym as kind of a, a, a catalyst to... This lifestyle, okay? We see this as a kind of a breeding ground for healthy humans. If we can get people in the context of the gym, get people moving, so addressing one category of this like head on, and very often closely related to um, the gym is the, the category of food, okay? Those, those things seem pretty natural, but if we can kind of build that out even further and, you know, in the same way that we teach people, how to squat and how to eat. Like, let's also include, you know, we need to be resting. We need to be relating well and emoting well. Um, you know, we think this could be a pretty cool uh, context to do that in. So... Um, If you want more information about New City CrossFit, newcitycrossfit.com. Hit the get started button and we would love to get together and meet with you um, and kind of talk about how we can get you involved with some of this stuff, Um, as well as Great River Family Chiropractic. Um, Honestly, so we we're kind of setting ourselves up in the gym to be able to help people in a, you know, uh, in a more macro sense. Um, but if you've got, you know, more specific ailments and stuff going on, um, this guy's a doctor, I'm not, uh, <laughs> and yeah, Alex, does a lot of great work within, um, the office at Great River Care Chiropractic to be kind of dealing with a lot of that stuff too. So cool. All right. That's all she wrote. Later. Well, thanks folks. Thank you for listening to the New City Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by uh, New City CrossFit, where we're standing in right now, or, or I'm standing in you're sitting on your couch or at your desk or something like that. Uh, but this podcast is also brought to you by and produced by TYS Ties Photos. Uh, Tyler Sellers, he's a great dude. He's the guy behind the camera, does really good things. And here's... Uh, Here's something you might not know. Once you get fit and healthy and start looking good, um, you, know, you might want to get some new family photos and stuff. This is the guy. He's the guy who can help you out with that. So uh, thank you again. Catch you next week. I don't know how often we're gonna be putting these out, but will catch you next time. Next time. That's indefinite. Like, subscribe, keep up with us. See ya. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. If
1: that were so